Welcome to the Miles Bar Podcast. We're your hosts. My name's Guggen. And my name is Jess. Jess. My name we, is Jess. We know that now. We missed last week. We warned the people that we make this show very inconsistently. And last week we did not make an episode recapping four and five. So You guys thought week, we were fucking around, huh? No. We're inconsistent. We are. We are inconsistent. But so we're going to kind of wrap up all the episodes up and kind of discuss loosely about, you know, what's been going on in the show. And it's kind of bittersweet because next Sunday is the last two episodes, man. That's what I was just thinking about. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, fuck, it's going to come to an end unless we just not watch 9 and 10. And then it kind of technically doesn't end, and we kind of just, you know, we're gonna watch it. Yeah, we're we're kidding here. I know, but 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 it is kind of bittersweet. Like that's like kind of just used to new episodes dropping every week, and you want more, you know? Yeah, especially now when there's nothing else on. So it's it's been a good little distraction here, and. You know, it's going it, to, but it'll be good. It's going to be good for it to wrap up. Have, have you liked all the episodes thus far? You know, it's not perfect in every freaking way or anything like that, you know. But, like, what has your overall impression been thus far? Now that we're kind of at the series finale coming up. I think there's definitely, like, stronger episodes. Just like with anything else, you know, any other TV show. Um, series or documentary, but I think lately, at least like the last few uh, couple of weeks, especially seven and eight, I would say is kind of like I think you told me before is like somebody else had seen it or it was like out, it was available to people before, and they're like, as it gets as it goes on, like it gets crazier and crazier. And seven and eight were probably definitely the most emotional, I'd say, out of all the episodes. Uh, yeah, definitely agree with that. So what was happening in the episodes like one, two, three, and four is they're kind of introducing us to all the characters, giving us everybody's backstory. Now they're kind of bringing it together and, you know, going in to what's been going on. And, and they do a really, they do a, you know, that when they said, when they first came out and said that they were doing this documentary, they were doing it on the last season. I was like, damn, man, you know, like they're just going to do it on the last season. Like it would be, interesting to see everything but they really are this really is about everything you know like the lens that they show it through it's like this is what we're showing in the last season but then hey let's jump back to over here this is how this originated or this is how this started out so um why don't you take it away and guide us through this so i think five um is the one that starts off with like you said they go between the 1998 season the last dance and back and forth, like, constantly through the other seasons. And I think five starts with 1998. It's the All-Star Game, West versus um, East End. They're talking about this new young Laker. Laker Kobe. boy. Laker boy, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, right, right when they started off, you know, with the Kobe, um, like, and they said, like, in remembrance to or in memorial. Yeah, they paid a tribute. Yeah. So, talking about, and then Michael Jordan's talking about, like, or I think it was Reggie Miller. And he goes, you know, the first, after the first four shots didn't go in, I thought he would stop. And then, like, Michael's, I wouldn't pass him the fucking ball after the first four shots. Yeah, it was was just fucking vintage Kobe. It was was just cool to see them talking about him. Because at that time, 
he was a rookie or no, I don't know if he was a rookie. No, no, he, he was a couple years into the league now, but this was yeah, his he first was drafted in 96. Game. It was 98. Yeah. So it was his so first all-star into his own. And yeah. like, it was just cool. Cause he hasn't won his three championships with Shaq yet. He's just, he's on the come up. And now to see him after, you know, what's happened, it was a little strange, but it was nice. And then, you know, like even it has like, Mike and Kobe, like, you know, talking after the game, and he, Mike goes, I'll see you down the road. And then, you know, it has Kobe kind of talking about how, you know, people always, it was just weird to see him, but it was, it was nice. Um, but you, you kind know. of get it from him, you know, like, you know, he says his stands and all that stuff. Like, you know, they're always trying to pit him, and he goes, Without Michael Jordan, there is no Kobe Bryant. And you kind of see that in the All Star game, too. Like, they show, he's asking him for pointers and, you know, he's like, how do you do this? And, um, kind of makes it known that, you know, a lot of his game is what he learned from MJ and, you know, like it was his style. That's it's, kinda... it's not just the game, but even now what you see through these episodes now with the mentality Jordan had, that's essentially the Mamba mentality that Kobe kind of coined it, you know? And then, Kobe, we'll get we'll, we'll get into yeah, it. Kobe they, did, they kinda... Kobe did take a lot of what Jordan was doing, and that's what his game was too. You know, you could definitely tell. And Kobe wasn't it, it was an imitation, but you know, like it, you know, like it's it's a form of flattery. But it was, and he was always he wasn't shy about it or saying that. Like he was like, yeah, dude, I took this from MJ, and I learned from him. He he was there to guide me, and I wouldn't have these five championships without him. You know, there wouldn't be, there essentially wouldn't be me if it wasn't from him. Whatever I get is from him. Hey, that was pretty neat to see. And then kind of goes on, it kind of moves from there, and it kind of just talks to about, um, it kind of, you know, it's that 1998 season. Everybody's kind of, they, they know this is it for Jordan. And then he kind of goes to that, he's going to play that last game at a Madison uh, Square Gardens. You know, he's going to be the last game in the Garden against Knicks and he wears these old pair of Jordans, you know, the, the Air ones, Jordans. Man, the ones. The ones, yeah. And then he's just fucking right as he's like from that point they cut back to the just um, the just the just the way that they set that up with the tribe called Quest, can I kick it playing and then just like him lacing them up, putting them on and the music selection for this documentary has been on point, no? Yeah. Definitely. Like, def- like you can just kind of vibe to all the music in the documentary so far. So, yeah, it kind of goes back to the, his shoe deal, basically. And it goes back to his agent, David Flock, who was before him working with a company, ProServe. And they were representing, like, golfers and, I think, tennis, uh, tennis players. Yeah. And what he wanted to kind of do was, like, take a guy. Um, and he says it, like, I wanted to take a team sport player and kind of make him an individual star and nobody had kind of done that with a basketball player before and it was kind of out there and um crazy for everybody to kind of look at it like this so he's trying to get michael a deal like this and converse was the official shoe of the nba at the time which is nuts if you i didn't know that did you know that yeah, dude. So I actually did a little bit of a deep dive. I went down the rabbit hole on Converse to see what was happening, 
you know, like how do you go from in the 80s having Magic Johnson, having Larry Bird to now modern NBA? Nobody wears Converse. So it all started back in like 1917 with a guy named Chuck Taylor who played basketball and also was a shoe salesman. So he went around the country having basketball clinics and pitching his shoes and selling his shoes like that. And then, you know, they wore them in the in the 70s and the 80s. And then what the shoe commercial that they show in there is for the Converse weapon, which Larry Bird, you know, M- Magic Johnson and them wore. And then Larry Bird wore Converse throughout the rest of his career in 91 and 92. He wore the Converse cons. And then they kind of started declining from there. And in 2003, Nike bought Converse because Converse sales weren't doing good. And Nike took them over and then they kind of try to revamp them and bring them back into the league a couple times now. Uh, but the last player in the NBA to wear a Converse is, can you guess? Is it Magic Johnson? No. Sooner. Ah. Or it's more recent than that. Oh, never mind. Udonis <laughs> Haslam of the Miami Heat. I would have not guessed that in probably like a thousand tries. Yeah. So they went from Larry Bird to Udonis Haslam, and now they're not in the the league anymore. But I think they were Nike and Converse, you know, because obviously Nike owns them now. They tried to make the Converse BB. I think that's either going to be trying to come back or it tried and it didn't work out. I'm not too sure about that. But, like, the you see the staples in the NBA now. Nike is the king. And this show you was back know, then when it was just a startup. You know a ridiculous amount of information on Converse that you'll probably like never use again. Nope. After we're done talking about this. <laughs> so basically Converse tells Michael, hey, you know what? We just don't see you thriving in this league. Pretty much is what they said. Yeah, they're like, we're not getting like, this they're like, nah. Like, and then they went to Adidas because this is who Michael really wanted his shoe deal with. And then Adidas was kind of like, bro, like, we would love to have you, but we just can't get our shit together right now. At least they were honest. And we can't make a, like, <laughs> like, what, like uh, th- I was like, what kind of dysfunction was going on at Adidas? They're like, we're so dysfunctional right now that we can't make a shoe. Like that's your whole fucking thing. You're and a MJ shoe liked company. Adidas. That was that he wanted Adidas. That was like his first choice. I kind of want to know like what was going on with Adidas. I'll probably have to look into it. Like you looked into Converse. So then next, like who David Falk wanted him to talk to was Nike. It was an upstart. They made mostly like track shoes, and when he went to them, you know, Michael originally said no. And as, like, these episodes five and here on out kind of go on, and we'll talk about it back and forth, um, they kind of really show how Michael's parents shaped a lot of um, the man of what who he, is, he yeah. was as an individual. Yeah. So his mom's the one that made him go to this Nike meeting, you know? Yeah, his agent called uh, her up and said, hey, he's not getting on the plane. And then she's like, Michael, just go there. And he's like, no, mom, I don't want to go. Yeah, she's like, just go there and listen to what they have to say, which is parents know, man, like same exact thing happened to me before I got the job that I currently do. 
I used to work somewhere else. And similar to MJ, you know, he, how he went to Adidas and it didn't work out there. I, I interviewed for a similar position and it didn't work out. And then when this one came around, I had an interview set and I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to go to the interview. I don't even want to go. It's going to be stupid. I don't even want to do it. And my mom was like, just go. It might work out. You might like it. And then boom, like fast forward, like four years, you know, you have a shoe deal. I don't have a shoe deal, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 I love what I do. So it just kind of showed like, you know, that's what you kind of hate to admit it, but your parents kind of know what's better when you yourself don't see it no definitely i agree man so just like your mom mike's mom was definitely right because not only did he get a shoe deal with nike he actually got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and at that that doesn't sound like a lot now you know when you see james harden shoe deals or the other shoe deals that like but back then the most somebody would make as a star was about 100k and I think LeBron's like, current, I think he has a lifetime deal with Nike that's, I think, worth like a billion. So, yeah. At that time, though, even the 250, everybody was like, you're going to give a rookie what? Like, and they kind of show you that in the documentary. And what was crazy and made it more like Nike at that time for their running track shoes had this new technology, which they were calling air soles. And then his agent's like, well, Michael plays in the air, Air Jordan. And that's how Air Jordan came to be. The phenomenon, man. Those Jordan ones, I think, are still, you know, I'm not like, I, I don't claim to be a sneakerhead. I dabble. I buy pairs of here and there. But the Jordan ones, the old classic ones, man, that's probably the best looking basketball shoe. Like, you know, we, we, we see later that it's not the most functional, but it's just the look of it, man. Like, that's kind of like, I, I've always wanted a pair. Uh, I've always wanted to own a pair of the Jordan 1. Some people would say the Jordan 11s are the best. I just think physically just looking at the aesthetic of the shoe, the ones for me, like, especially that old colorway, just the white, red, and then the black. I agree. I most definitely agree. I think many would also. Um, and you know what? Speaking of those Jordan ones, so they were hoping to sell about, I think, $3 million worth of shoes is what they said in about the third year of his contract. And they ended up selling $126 million worth of shoes by the end of year one. Which is crazy to think. Because, you know, we, we mentioned this in an earlier episode that, you know, we were just kids when all of this was happening. We weren't around. So for our lifetime, we've known what Jordans are. We've known that Nike's the biggest shoe brand. And really before MJ, you know, none of this. I had no idea Converse was the NBA. Like, yeah. I think that's what it is about this documentary that's crazy is you're introducing to, and it's kind of crazy. It's like, we, like I said, we were kind of, we, we remember Jordan, but we were more like around Kobe's era. But then there's people that are even after us, newer, younger fans. So even though we remember slight stuff, they remember nothing. So if you think like we are looking at this, and that's why I think ESPN was, um, it's kind of great that they released this. Kind of, you introduce this era of basketball. 
to a whole new younger generation of basketball fans that kind of have no clue. You know? Yeah, the, the, some you know we don't want to make this a whole MJ LeBron thing, but like it, it's good to reintroduce. You know, like the greats. Like that's if anything, what's happened during this quarantine, like everybody's just been going back and watching old NBA, old NFL. It's you really get an appreciation for these legends, you know, because uh, when, whenever you witness something, you're like, oh, this has to be the greatest thing ever. You know, that's why, like, the player that you see in your generation, you're just like, oh, no, this person has to be the best. And and then the person, you know, like the previous generation is always going to hold on to their guy. But it, it, I think it is just hands down, like, like you know, when, now that people have gotten to go back, when there was just a pause button put on all the sports, like you really do kind of gain an appreciation, and you see how the NBA was shaped when you know the NBA used to be on tape delay; they weren't airing live NBA games on TV, and then Magic and Bird really took off with it in the '80s, and MJ took that. And just took it to a whole nother level in the 90s. And we might not even now be at the level the NBA was back then. Because what you see in this documentary is that he was global, man. Like, everybody in the world knew him and the Bulls. And I don't think any NBA player currently playing right now is anywhere near that. You could say LeBron, but I don't know if LeBron's global as MJ was, as they show in here. No, I think, and that they showed the impact even from like the dream team and how that made it as global as it did. And then there's just like a whole different, it was like everyone, like it wasn't just like, I think now you kind of have different levels of popularity. You have like the NBA popularity and then you have the NFL fans, you know, like every sport kind of has more like he was across all sports. I feel like versus transcendent. Yeah, there you go. That's the word. That damn word. Um, so basically after that, they kind of go back to him at the MSG and he's bleeding um, at the garden at his last game. Just like laying on the floor in a puddle. Yeah, he's like, just like <laughs> no, and he still doesn't take his shoes off because that's he plays the whole game. And at the end, he's talking about like when he took it off, like it was just drenched in blood. And are those those are the same shoes that he broke his foot in, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was the second year in the NBA, he broke his foot. So yeah, man, he even says it too. He's like, man, when you put these on again, you you see how much like technology has advanced. Like with 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 the current version of the Jordans that he was wearing at the time, then compared to the Jordan ones, could you imagine that? Like, it's hard to walk in Converse like All Stars, let alone play basketball in them. And he figured out a way. Oh, uh, he never had the Converse. No. So we're gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Why did you bring up Converse? You threw me off. It's okay. <laughs> Okay, where do we go? Boom. Just keep going, dude. You're doing good. All right. Um, we're going to cut all that out. And so after that game, and it kind of goes right back to the 1992 season. And this is kind of, as these episodes go along, you see it more and more. 
But Mike just like needed a fucking reason. That was like his thing. Like he like found little things to kind of get him going and like in his head kind of all like um, I think the closest thing I could kind of compare to is like what you brought up. You brought up like a movie analogy to it of like what Michael did to get himself pumped. Um, the water boy. Yeah. You <laughs> in, so in the water boy, it's, I think it was Henry Wrinkler's character tells Adam Sandler that like, Hey, they're talking shit about you, blah, 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 blah. Just admit, just imagine it. Use that to like, you know, power you and go through it. So he would be on the line and then be like, Oh, don't say that about my mama. You said that about my mama. And so he's just getting angrier and angrier. And then he goes out there, you know, Adam Sandler beats the shit out of these guys. And then you, you could kind of see that with MJ, how he just took slights and held like, you know, just used whatever type of motivation he could, let it be from the media or from like players making even the smallest of comments, the smallest of comments. He would twist that around and he's like, Oh, that's all I needed. And then, you know, so we'll rattle some off a little bit later. But so when they go back to the 1992 years, it's Clyde Drexler, I think, finished second in MVP that year. Yeah, they were calling so him like the Jordan in. of the Pacific Northwest. They were saying that he's just he's just as good, but he just doesn't get the coverage because he's in, he's playing in Portland. He's not playing in a big market like Chicago. And that's all Michael Jordan needs, really. Like, the amount of people that give... It's like, okay, this guy's like the fastest gun in the West. Let's give him more ammo. Like, the and so he took that Clyde Drexler um, comparison, and he just... He was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show him that we're not the same, you know? And he went at it, and he did. I think he told that to Magic that I'm going to go at him. And then he beat them to win his second title. And right after he beat them is when he, they kind of get into the dream team in episode five. So and Dan, the last... Dan on Dan Patrick's show that when they, they were talking about Drexler, you know, you know, mm-hmm. they, they show how MJ beats him, you know, in, in the finals. And then, like you said, when they're on the dream team, when they would practice and scrimmage, MJ was going at him so hard that Clyde showed up with two left shoes one day, but then like didn't want to say anything and just put them on and started playing. And then like MJ saw that and he's like, "Oh, I, I'm I have this guy so rattled that he's wearing two left shoes." God damn, <laughs> MJ was a dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's a dick, but, but not you an know. Yeah. There's a big Two difference different. between being a dick and being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> if you say so. Um, and so there's so and when you get more into that dream team stuff, Isaiah Thomas has been on like everybody that'll have him for the last few weeks. Like if you have a TV show, Isaiah Thomas will show up on it and he will talk about like hold on just now we are joining feelings. joining our podcast is 
Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. Oh, how has it been going? Is this is this just you know when when people say any publicity is a good publicity, or is is it kind of annoying that you're having to go around make your rounds and kind of explain stuff you had to do or stuff that had happened like thirty years ago? Seriously, um, and then like he was just like, man, you were supposed to do an Isaiah impression. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Because that guy talks way too eloquently. Like he just has a big old smile on his face as he talks. I know he he is a great speaker though. I'll give him that. Like I kind of want to believe his bullshit, <laughs> but like my other thing is like, just dude, get it, get over it. No fuck, like I, I would be so sad now if found out that the reason I was left off. Like no, and they kind of talk. They're like, hey, you know, Magic didn't like this guy. Bird didn't like this guy. So, it's kind of like MJ they use Mike. Yeah, didn't like him. Yeah, so they use Mike, but nobody wanted him on that team, you know. So he wasn't on the team, and everybody has moved on, and so should you, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas will probably never hear this, so like, you know, and he got us talking about him on our podcast. So that's Isaiah Thomas one and us zero. Mm-hmm. Look at that. I, I told you he's a slick. He appears. Fucking... He just appears. <laughs> so the other thing they kind of show you in the, so, and we're gonna get back into this. Like Michael just needs a reason to go at you. So they kind of show you during this Olympics. You know they're the dream team. Everybody's getting to see him on a world stage, and then, then they also get to see Tony Kukic who. Jerry Cross has been kind of... They drafted him. Like, yeah, he drafted him. And at this point, he was just, like, really talking him up and, like, really... He's saying that he's going to be like, the future um, of the Bulls and stuff, I think. Yeah, he's going to be the future. And then, like, you know, they're mad. And Pippen was mad because, like, Pippen's not getting paid and, like, you're bitching about Tony Kukic. Yeah, I think MJ you know? says that you're not, like, caring for your own kids here. You don't care what your own kids are doing and stuff like that. And so they just go at this kid when they play him during the Olympics. That first time they play him, and you you like you remember the clip? Pippen's just like punking him, and Jordan's just like punking him, and the whole team kind of because the whole the the whole team you know they have each other's back, and this kid's just rattled, and you can tell he didn't see that coming. He's talking about it. He goes, you know, these guys know. don't even know me. <laughs> I know. I was like, man, fucking Jerry Cross, <laughs> like, got got that kid like all fucked up for no reason. But then they they kind of got a mutual respect because when they played him again, he actually, you know, he's he didn't shy away and he had a better game. So to no surprise, they win. And then this is how much like Mike is about his brand. When they win, all their outfits are made by Reebok at this time and they have to take a picture and Mike's like, I'm not doing that. So, but he doesn't want to get in trouble or like, he, was, what can people great, not shit on? That was great footage. That was so clever. That was great footage. That's showing him like the camera just in the back seat. They're just driving around like Barcelona or wherever they are at the time. He just has like a tiny little espresso cup in his hand, reading a fucking newspaper. And then he's like, Oh yeah, they're just a bunch of assholes saying, you know, like they were commenting about like how, that if you're not going to show 
you know, Reebok's brand or whatever, you can't have the gold medal. And what does he do? Drape the American flag over himself? It's clever. You can't say anything about it. Dude, no. What are you going to say? Huh? You a communist? Okay, he... Buddy? No. Pal? No. But, huh? you know, everybody getting yeah. equal. Weight. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Yeah, it looked, it looked good. Too. And then, like, he has, like, this grin on his face, like, as he's walking by in front of the camera. And, like, he's kind of like, yeah, look at that. I pulled it off. And they kind of just go on to more about that. He kind of never, um, at, at that point at least, he was very like, or even throughout most of his career, like besides stuff like that, because that was his brand, he really protected his brand. And another thing that came into protecting his brand is what was that um, saying when it came to, I think, Republicans buy sneakers too? Yeah, he said, he didn't, yeah, he, when, said he, he didn't want to get political. Yeah, because a lot of people were asking him to do a, a political campaign or an ad for a Democratic, um, I think it was the Senate race. In North Carolina. Um, yeah, and he refused. He paid into um, the campaign, the, the campaign, but he didn't want to do an ad and you know, he didn't, I don't think he had any reason to. So that's kind of, that's his thing. He said, I'm not an activist, you know, I, uh, my thing is basketball, which some people now, you know, especially the way how people are more vocal about it and especially the stars with more than like a basketball player and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think LeBron's one of the biggest examples out. of that. He's LeBron's, yeah, it would be... Le- LeBron's pretty active when it comes to, you know, um, stuff that comes up. And the news and stuff like that. Even recently, he was he was tweeting about, uh, you know what happened, uh, with the shooting. A couple months back. Yeah, and see, LeBron, LeBron is kind, of, and that's you know when you kind of, Michael, not LeBron, sorry, Michael, said no, nah, he was more about his craft, and he goes, I'm just, I want to play basketball. You know, that's my thing. And yeah, if somebody would have told person. him shut up and dribble, he would have been like gladly. <laughs> no, all right. <laughs> yeah, not gonna touch that. <laughs> well, no, he's pretty much saying that. Like, I don't want to, you know. Like, I'm cool. I'm, yeah. I'm off the pol- political stuff. Like, this is my craft. This is what I'm dedicating myself to. So, and uh, that's what he, you know, that's that's kind of like one of the nitpicks against him. But, you know, I guess that's who you are as a person. It's like some people, like Muhammad Ali, um, Kareem, and uh, Jim Brown back in the day, they were big-time activists. And, you know, they, they, they stood up for it. And him, he, he said, you know, I admire them, but uh, I'm, I'm not like that. And you can't fault him for it. Yeah, I don't think anybody – I don't think either – I think those people are right in their way, and he was right in his. And – so after that, they kind of, I think that was that was it for episode five. And then they, when you when they go to six, is when you kind of see he's getting tired of just being in the spotlight all the time, dealing with the media, and they kind of show you like how it is a literal like media circus everywhere he goes. You know, people are just like that image, that one image was crazy where it's just him surrounded by microphones all over him. Mm-hmm. And 
and this is, I think uh, this has probably been like some of my favorite footage, of, like so far of the episodes where he's just in his hotel, has the like, orange juice, and he's smoking a cigar and just kind of talking about like. And even the opening of this episode where he's doing the commercial, like, you know, some people want to be like Michael Jordan for a day or, you know, but it, it, it's not easy being like Michael Jordan. And, and it shows you that he really can't do anything, you know, like he's in his hotel room by himself just hanging out. He's like, I'll watch a movie. I'll just hang out and relax. Other than the golf course or the casino where he goes to gamble, he can't really get privacy. Anywhere. Like, Mike can't go to a movie theater. Like, you see, like, once he gets ready and goes downstairs, like, the elevator opens up and it's just people everywhere. It's that it's that Michael Jackson, you know, type of fame. And I think, like, one one security guard in a, in, in a couple episodes before this, or it might have been this episode, where MJ's kind of walking out, and then he just, like, looks at the camera, the security guard goes, this is the Pope and Jesus phenomenon, or whatever. And that's exactly what it is. Like, dude, like, they usher him onto a bus, they'll go to the arena, has media there, plays the game. When he's done with the game, they're having to usher him into the locker room, and then he'll step out, do his media, and then they have to like usher him away, but then there's still like fans and kids like running at him trying to get stuff signed. And then they usher him back to the hotel. You know, they're just kind of like herding him around and then goes through the media again, is back in his room, is by himself. Like that's when he gets to relax. Like, would you want to live like that? Yeah, nah, probably not. I don't think so. I was going to say maybe for the money. Yeah, no, but that's what people say. Like, like hey, that's life. the trade-off. You're going to get this uh, fame, this fortune. This is what comes with it, you know? And then, this, so, you know, besides him getting um, kind of done, he's kind of had it. He's tired of the media. They also kind of touch on his, like, love for gambling. And then, like, they show... They're playing some kind of like it's I don't know it looks like they're is it like rolling a coin or tossing the quarters a coin? yeah like, you try to get a, the closest yeah the quarters he's he, yeah he, yeah competitive so playing quarters and yeah and then he you know his security guard bets him to, he hits him with the shrug Man, that, I was that like guy stole, damn yeah, that cocky motherfucker. <laughs> He hit him with his shrug I was like damn he, he hit Michael with his he, so far we've <laughs> seen. Like everybody, nobody's really talked shit to MJ. Like come, like throughout, you know. Like nobody's really like dug into him or like dicked around with him. This guy, he hits him with a shrug. He's he talking shit, and then MJ's just like, "Oh, this, whatever." I get one try. These guys get three, and it's twenty bucks, you know. And you, 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 his quarters just roll. He throws his quarters; they just roll. He's like, "Yeah, this twenty dollars gonna roll right into my pocket." <laughs> and uh, it's the first time you see somebody like talking shit. Michael is hell, yeah. man. And then, so after they kind of that's kind of when they first sort of start talking a little bit about his gambling addiction, his problem, but then it kind of comes more to surfaces when they're playing, um, the Knicks. Yeah, I think it's the Knicks. Yeah. And he's kind of tired and, and he just looks sluggish or whatever. It looks like he's having a bad game. And then 
you find out he was in Atlantic City the night before at a casino. And the time's kind of off. I think people are saying two. And then when Michael's talking like about it, he was talking about it. it was right midnight. Yeah. And, and you know, before you, you, the way that I like the way that they introduce it. So it's like, you know, I, I, I was, you know, my, my dad was like, hey, let's get out of here for let's get out of New York. Let's go take our mind off. So I went through with my family. We had, you know, we were just enjoying you know, it's not a big deal. And then it cuts to David Aldridge and he kind of gives you more of the backstory of what's like really been going on where MJ won a title. The team went to the white house. He didn't go cause he was off gambling with some, he, he had somehow crossed paths with these con men, these like ringers, these hustlers. He, he eventually became a mark, you know, cause MJ loved to gamble. He loved to golf. And then these guys knew it and you know, he had money. So they kind of targeted him. They played him. They want a lot of money from him. And, you know, and, and that's when, you know, when, when you first, you take his word for it. It's like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. He was just at a casino with his family. And then once Aldridge kind of tells you the backstory and how he, he was actually in court. Cause some like these money laundering people got, checks that had his name on it for like fifty, sixty thousand dollars and he was saying that he's paying off gambling debts and then you just see that like hey maybe it's not just a little benign thing and like what what one of the guys wrote a book that said like michael and i save us we're our addiction to gambling it's like a fucking book <laughs> <laughs> I saw that he just loops Michael Jordan in there. <laughs> like, Michael and I. Like, Michael's like, bro, like, talk about yourself. I think that's kind of, you know, the league investigates it. They find nothing. Um, David Stern says there's nothing involved. Like, there was nothing really that they saw. And David Aldridge then kind of breaks it down. And he goes, what's $10 to you is, like, 10000 to Michael Jordan. Like, he's good for it. You know, he's got the money. Like, it's. It's not really as crazy because he's not, yeah, like the the, the it's numbers. It's not like a crazy yeah. amount of money for him. Yeah, for him is it, it? It's not as crazy. Like it's not as big of a risk as it would be to the average person. You know, it's not like he's trading away his contract or half yeah, his and wealth. Then that or was MJ's. He's like, I'm not addicted to it. If I was addicted to it, you know, my wife would have left me. I would be backed up on my bills or like, I wouldn't have enough money to feed my kids. You know, he's like, I just enjoy doing it. So. He was just super competitive. Which when you, what, the way that he so was what... explaining it kind of made him sound like, you know, it's like when you try to justify like an addiction, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I drink here and there or, I, I do this here and there. It's not a big deal. Like he came off across like that, though. Yeah, but like I said, all Michael needs is a little bit of motivation. So, right, that he took all this like shit talk people were doing, and then he stopped talking to media completely about it. I think his dad came out and made a statement, but then he whooped the Knicks, and then, um. I think after the Knicks, he made a statement and he did the interview with like the black glasses on because he didn't want it to be a distraction yeah, the anymore. <laughs> and he, you know, yeah. And then 
that's like not the first negativity they should they also kind of talk about how sam smith wrote this book called the jordan rules earlier in that episode and like right when you see that guy you're like yeah this guy seems like he does dude (laughs) they they, they show a clip of like a young sam smith just standing in the locker room and he like says something to mj and he notices like he kind of got mj's attention and he like completely turns towards mj and just is trying to engage him and then mj's kind of just like you know yeah he does seem like a shifty little bastard yeah like you know when you make like the you typecast like a snitch in a movie (laughs) like it would be that guy but yeah, he basically writes his book and he kind of just talks about how what a terrible teammate Michael Jordan is and how nobody likes him and he um, doesn't want to pass certain people the ball, stuff like that. And then I think everybody's blaming Horace Grant. They're like, Horace was talking to him, you know? I like and how like up until that except, point in the episode, I was like, man, Horace Grant seems like a cool dude. Look at him. He's got a good looking beard. He looks like he could like bench press a house. And then they're like, yeah, Horace Grant's a snitch. Like, whoa. But then B.J. Armstrong and Horace Grant kind of like, well, Horace Grant's obviously going to deny it. And then B.J. Armstrong was like, you know, it couldn't have just been him. Fucking B.J. came off across like he might have been the one. He's like, it could have been anybody. It could have been been anybody. It could have been the other. It could have been me. (laughs) Like, B.J., was it you? But but, but No. (laughs) I just told you, it could have been anybody. What the fuck? We're done here. He gets up and walks out of the interview like, fuck this movie. <laughs> and then they're like, it could have been Cross. I don't think it was Cross because Phil said Cross called him into his office and read him like passages from the book. Like, like how you could funny probably, like, like Phil's like, probably like just he's like reading Michael Jordan talking about getting him. Phil's five probably years. just like, motherfucker, <laughs> can you like just sign like some of our guys? Like, can you work on their contracts as much as you you focus on this? Like, you have like fucking dog-eared like article like like parts or quotes in the book. And, like, did he say this to me? Who say? Are is this what they're saying? Like, you could tell like Cross was you know. He's just like, can we please sign Horace Grant? Yeah, like, <laughs> He's like, no. But who said this in the book? Phil's like, you're the GM, man. Can you just do some contract extensions instead? So that was the, one of the first times you kind of, kind of get a look into Michael's this other side yeah. of him. And then later on was the gambling. So after the gambling, after the interview with Rashad, you get to the son's um finals versus the suns and once again like i said michael just needs a little bit of something to kind of get him going he can just make shit up or he can just and that was the year that charles barkley won mvp and michael was mad because he thought he deserved it but he said you know what all right you you keep the mvp I'll I'll, i'll get the championship yeah yeah and that was, and you see Barkley talking about it, and you kind of feel How bad good for Barkley. Is Barkley like, though, it's man. not like Barkley. Yeah, like he tried, man. He tried his hardest, but I was just—he said Michael was. I was just Michael Jordan, and then Michael beats. The I, Suns I like for that. His third I like that when, when you know they they're coming back to Chicago, and Chicago could wrap it up, and then like you know they're the Chicago's running ads of like you know celebrate like with humility don't wreck shit don't flip cars over 
and then like you know people have like their windows boarded up or some shit and then they're and then the suns came in and won that game and then charles barkley's like take that shit off the windows you're not gonna need that tonight <laughs> I know that shit was hilarious. Take that shit and off it the sucks because like, I'm gonna put that on. As, like, you a see ring that their relationship that he had Barkley and MJ, and you know it came out now that they actually aren't on good terms now. That Barkley criticized the way that MJ was running the Hornets, and you know their their relationship has is rocky right now. And Barkley said that he doesn't think that it will ever get mended, which sucks because, you know, Barkley said like that dude was like a brother to me for 20 years. And you see that in the dream team footage. And then there's even this like uh, clip of an interview that both of them were on Oprah with, and they're just joking around with each other. You know, it sucks. It's a bummer, man. Like there's come on MJ. Like, you know, like they, they, they should really talk that out. Yeah. Hopefully. They'll get right on it. Maybe they should get Isaiah Thomas. Seriously, like Isaiah's like, guys. We hate you. <laughs> it's like, let that. <laughs> let, let, let your hatred towards me be a common ground for you guys to get mend your relationship. Seriously. Barkley didn't hate him, did he? And that was episode. So that was no. episode six. Not as much as us. <laughs> no, I'm just, just jokes. But that was episodes five and six. Um, I don't no, know if I, I missed think anything we were pretty thorough. Um, that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. You know, we weren't trying to do like everything by, but it was kind of just, there's so much stuff in this. And I think that was what mostly stood out to us throughout Yeah, it. man. That was episodes five and six. And then, the, you know, we missed it last week. But, and then episodes seven and eight this week. And seven and eight. Seven kind of starts off with Michael, I think. Um, not Michael, sorry. Jerry Cross is doing, uh, he's doing like a press conference. And your guy. Greg Sager. Man. What well, a question. That's right? how you start a con that's how you start a fucking press conference right there. Are you surprised with all the backstabbing that's been going on that they've been able to keep their composure? And then I like how he did not. <laughs> no, no, he, he straight like, up goes like the backstabbing happening bad, right? with you and the coaching or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I like how Jerry Cross was like that that's a terrible question. Then he goes, I'm not surprised like, at no, all. He goes, First like, of all, there's no backstabbing like, going on here. And then second of all, no, I'm not surprised that uh, everybody being able to keep their composure during the backstabbing. Like, <laughs> oh, you got me, Craig. He just fucking you got walks me. off. <laughs> you hear somebody go, Good job, Craig, or way to go, Craig. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know I could like Craig Sager more than I already liked Craig Sager, but there it is. And then they kind of, episode seven, like right away, it kind of just delves into, you know, and I saw it coming because they talk, start talking about Michael's dad more and how, you know, what a driving force he was. He was Michael's best friend and how he was, Um, they kind of just show you a little bit more of like, if you knew Michael, you knew his dad, you know, and he would find kids in the crowd to come down and meet Michael. 
and stuff like that. And then, uh, then it gets to, you know, he's supposed to come down for a charity event and he never makes it down. And then he's gone missing for a little bit and they find his body in a Creek and Michael's just, you can tell like, he's just, you know, fucking devastated by it. And then right after all this happens is and then people like, speculating start speculating stuff and then there's rumors and the rumors are like you know did his gambling have to do anything to do? can you imagine that it's disgusting you know my my thing is a lot of people like say social media now is like this and yes yeah, i get it social media might be like that but when it comes to like the actual media i think if the media were saying stuff like this they'd probably be held more accountable today sports I media like i think particularly at that time. like sports media nowadays is kind of reserved like you don't really see sports yeah. media unless it's for the theatrics like you have your skip bayless and stuff like that but overall sports media i think is a little bit more respectful towards the players but i still think yeah, yeah there's more of a line now cuz at that point, it's like, the, and there was no evidence. You know, Bob Costas is in there saying, like, there wasn't a thimble of evidence. It's all speculation. You know? And They're then just the with police, it. yeah. And the police's official thing was, like, you know, it said, quote, it could have been any of us, you know. So it, whoever would have been in his situation at the time, what it turns out was he p- pulled over in the middle of his, his drive to the airport or where he was going. Um, he got tired driving, so he just wanted to take a little break. And yeah, I pulled over and then take a nap, and that's when, you know, he was mugged and shot. And then it's just crazy. So the way the media treated him, his dad just died, you know, and the rumors, and people still speculate. Well, why do you retire? Well, why wouldn't and you? At you that could point? see that, you know, the way that he was competing. It it, it kind of doesn't matter what profession you do. When you give it that hard, you're gonna burn out. You know, and he 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 was burnt oh, out yeah. mentally and physically. He was exhausted as well. If you think about it, he didn't really have any time off. He would play all the games, and he you know he he won his three championships. He went to the Olympics. Like this is all in the span of like four years, and then now you have the media coming after you for your gambling. Your dad just died. It's it's kind of like the perfect storm, you know, and then. I think Magic had even told one of the one of the media people that like, hey, you guys are gonna if you guys don't knock it off, you're gonna kind of drive them out of the sport, and ultimately that's what happened. And then some people started speculating again. Like, I think back then they were just like, I will just make some yeah. shit up. <laughs> Versus now, like when they have sources and stuff, they they were like, is this some kind of secret suspension? And then. Right off the bat, I think with the there was a lot of people that they interviewed in the documentary. They showed Stern, and Stern denied everything. You know, he goes, "No, that's ridiculous." But then there was somebody else. He goes, "So you're telling me David Stern would take being the capitalist that he is, like he would take like the biggest money maker in his game, you know, um, off the franchise that's making so much money, and ultimately, like he's already been on the Dream Team three titles, like." the biggest draw and he would do like a secret the NFL went after Brady which kind of shows nothing yeah but like here's the thing if it's a secret suspension that nobody knows of that doesn't even show like you're doing any kind of discipline well, what, secret, what happened was it was you know it just makes 
None of it, it makes was, it any was sense. during so... NBA's quote unquote investigation, which I think they said that they were kind of just, hey, we're doing an investigation just to shut everybody up. But it was ongoing before it concluded he retired. But, you know, that's what kind of led everybody to speculate that Stern had told him, like, hey, I'm going to have to suspend you or I'm going to have to punish you for this. And then, you know, MJ was just like, all right, you know, that's like the last straw. Like, you're going to add pile on to this. If you're going to punish me in any way, I'm just going to walk away. It's, you know, the people that were there, you know, you see Stern saying, no, it didn't happen. But then people are even now are still like, yeah, but I don't know. It might have. It's like, I don't know. Then you're just kind of getting into conspiracy theories. Yeah. And the other thing is there was um, that author that followed him around. You know, he says, well, my, and he was the guy that was there. He goes, he told me in the summer of 1992 that he was kind of tired of it, you know, and he wanted to walk away. And then he goes, I asked him when he was going to do it. And he told him in 1992, I'm going to shock the world because I'm going to walk away. And he said, well, when are you going to do it? And he goes, I would do it now, but Bird and Magic never won three in a row. Like, that's what drove him a lot, you know. And he brings that up later on, too, with 1998 being his last season. They brought that, I think, earlier. He goes, well, Bird and Magic never won six. You know? Bird and Magic. So, like, I mean, that, so he was already. Us. Can you stop? <laughs> We didn't do a lot of things that you've done. Like, let it go. But he he says that, you know, in his retirement, like, I, I, I don't have any motivation right now. I feel like I've ac- accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish. So he was already planning on retiring. I don't think anything made a difference on it. And then I think the other thing is after his dad passed away, his dad always wanted baseball. him to be a basketball player, you know. And he was, I mean, baseball player, sorry. And they were already talking about baseball and him leaving um, to play baseball. And his dad was supporting it 100% already. So I think he did it for his dad. You know, it was just like the perfect thing. He wanted to get away from, the, like, the basketball, I think, perspective. Like I said, he was burned out. His dad passed away. He wanted to play baseball kind of like as a last wish for his dad. But then what's crazy is, like, he wasn't half bad. Um, even when he started – I think he had a 13-game Yeah, so he played in the double-A minor leagues. And and he got paid as yeah, a basketball that, that, player. Yeah, that's what no, the, the owners yeah. said. I kept paying him is like $3 million. So that's the deal that MJ was on, too. You know, when people bring up, like, and re- recently they bring up, like, Scotty's deal, Scotty's deal. Jordan was only making a few million a year, too, until, like, his last couple years with the Bulls where he made, like, 35 and $36 million. Um so, yeah, the owner said that, yeah, I'm going to keep paying him out of goodwill. It's like, yeah, man, like he's made you a ton of money. So he, he, he continued to pay him while Cheers. Jordan went out. And he, it, the baseball thing, you know, this also would kind of, kind of take away at the whole conspiracy about the fake retirement uh, or whatever, you know, going away. But he did, it's not like he was half-assing baseball. He went into it. He, you know, he, he talks about, and his trainer talks about, like, MJ, if we're going to take your body from a basketball body to make it into a baseball body, like, it's completely different. And he was like, no, nah, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going all in. Yeah, and he explained to him it's going to be detrimental to your basketball skills, you know. And then he was like, 
Oh, and then he did get better, and I think he hit two hundred two and drove Look at in you talking like runs. you know what you're like acting like you know what you're talking about when it comes to baseball. No, I just remember the manager <laughs> saying that, and that he said that was better than most of their prospects, you know, and he could have made it into the major leagues and stuff. But then there was like an untimely but MLB strike. When... Like that is like one of the biggest yeah. what ifs. Like. If that strike doesn't happen and it's just the normal MLB season, he continues to be in the double A's and then probably like halfway through the season or whatever, you know, if he was doing good enough, you know, like the White Sox would have called him up and he would have been playing in the majors, you know, going from the double A's to the majors is a big jump. Uh, Ultimately, it might actually be a good thing that he didn't because, you know, he might've struggled up there and that would have kind of taken off some of the sheen off of his legacy or whatever. But since MLB was having a strike and, you know, they were like, MLB was like, Oh, we're going to just bring in replacement players. I guess the owners back in the day could do this. And MJ's like, I'm not walking across the line. And that's when he, contacted bj armstrong and was like yo bj what you doing and they kind of cut forward into like uh a little bit i think they cut back into they cut back like they cut forward into like tony kuku uh tony kuku yeah while he about, was gone while mj's off the team they're showing what's well, going on with yeah the bulls. Well, he's gone but then he's talking about what he was yeah they're showing about what's going on with the bulls and then he goes you know, he would we would have a bad game and be like, "You motherfuckers didn't do a thing." Like he just and Steve Kerr's in there and he goes, "Yeah, man." Um, he would kind of tell us, you know, if you can't take it from him, you can't take it from other teams. And then he particularly went out went after Scott Burrell. Um, that became his favorite target, and he said it was because that dude he felt like he was soft and he was trying to harden him up, you know. But it never worked. Scott was Scott just a nice like, guy. <laughs> wanted to fight him. <laughs> Yeah, he was just nice. <laughs> so Michael does come off like a dick at certain He's parts, you know. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, even Will Purdue, I think, was like, oh, but Will Purdue said he was an asshole. He was a jerk. But he said he was hell of a teammate. So, you know, you got to Bill Purdue's like, Will Purdue, I mean, I kept calling him Bill Purdue. Will Purdue said that. And then, um, Scotty was like, you know, we needed that. We needed him to be the bad person. He was just a different type of leader. But then they show you in that season when he's gone, Scotty was told Pippen was totally different. You know, Kerr's like he's the kind of guy that would have like picked you up. Put his, and yeah, put his arm around you. Put his arm around you. Yeah, and then that was the first year Phil kind of got to run his triangle. I remember Chuck Daly. I think he so one of the reporters was like, "Hey, Chuck said let's see that triangle work without Jordan." And Phil was like, "Yeah, I'll talk to Chuck about that shit." Yeah, that that year they did pretty up. well. You know, they ultimately got knocked and, off. And I think it worked. Yeah, they said it worked great, and even without a star scorer. And that's the that's the year. So um, Tony Kukoc is emerging, right? And then it's I think Game Three. They're down to the Knicks, two and zero, and then. It's at the end, and I think they're tied, and Phil calls a play for Tony, and Pippen's the one that's been leading him this whole year, and Pippen decides um, Pippen's not going to go in because he calls the player. Tony was going to – yeah, Tony was going to get the game-winning shot, and Pippen thought that he was the star, 
Like, Michael's been gone for one year. <laughs> Pippen's like, fuck that. I ain't going to go in unless I get Yeah, to no, well, if you ball. look at Scotty's reasoning, he's and like, then, dude, if MJ was here, you guys were going to give it to him. No way in hell that MJ wouldn't be shooting this. And then he's not here. I'm the guy now. Like, I should be the one getting the shot. And I think it would have been a much bigger deal if Kukos didn't hit that shot and they actually won, <laughs> which was like, yeah. The, like you know props to Kukoc for like knocking it down like and it props to Phil it was the right call yeah down and that was like Phil's I think Kukoc hitting it just made it that much worse probably because um he hits it and then you know they they show you like right after the game what happens with it like Steve Kerr's talking about it Bill Cartlett <laughs> Bill Cartwright was crying it's in the locker big deal, room man. you know he's like you let us down he quit. he's like you quit on us yeah he quit like that's the one thing i think here's my thing michael's now no you get Thank that you. or a dick or whatever one of the two but at the end of the day it's because he wants to win and if there's one thing that's hammered into you when this you play is, sports is no matter what you this don't is the biggest difference quit. we see the you we see the parallel in episode one or two, whichever, when he's coming off his foot injury and he's like, put me in, put me in. It's like, no, dude, you met your minutes restriction. You're done. And then his teammate went in there, made the shot, and you look at the bench, MJ's up, jumping, ecstatic, happy. And then you you compare it with this where, hey, you know that for him it was it was always about the team, you know. And Scotty was like, "Hey, I'm not going to get the shot. Kukoc made it. We won, okay, but you know, it wasn't me." Like, that's a that's a big thing, man. And uh, that's and like I said, the, the one thing in sports is you don't quit no matter what. You know, what's your so, life motto? You know, what what is your like, personal life down. motto? You can't believe. That's not I said in sports. (laughs) Shut the fuck up and and move on. Um, I quit three times a day, son, but I'm not Michael Jordan. And so Bill Cartwright's like, you know, you let us down. And then Steve's like, he apologized. And the Knicks do eventually beat him. But (laughs) you know what? What I was like, when they go to Scotty, like for some clairvoyance or something like that. It's like, Scotty, now that you've had um, 20 years to reflect. You know, you've had so much. He goes, yeah, I'll do the same thing. Like, no, fuck, Scotty, come on, man. Like, this is where you had your chance. And he goes, and you know, Steve says it in, Steve Kerr says that, you know, it's going to be a stain on his reputation. Um People forgave Michael, I think, ultimately. But Pippen quit on his team, and like that's kind of going to get, like, you know, they're going to, and then now is his chance to clear that, his name, and he kind of yeah, doubles if, down on it. No, I think if, if, it, you no, lose if, it, if they lose you that lose game, it, but at the it end would have been a much bigger deal. Then it would have been like, yeah. look at that. Like, he just gave up, and then they lost. Like, I think it would have been a much bigger deal then. Even now, it looks really, really bad. But ultimately, I think if they lose that game, it would be like more prominent of a stain. 
and the thing about so what it circles back to you know there's that and then like I said his teammates were so mad but teammates were not as mad like a lot of them all still had nice things to say about Michael and then I think he breaks that down towards the end and this is probably the most like you can tell how emotional he is towards the end of this episode episode seven he's like you know what if there's one thing he goes winning has a price leadership has a price and he goes a lot of the team because um none of them endure some of them didn't endure what he endured you know they weren't there for the pistons bad boys early years when they would fuck up michael jordan and shit like that you know so he kind of held everybody to a higher standard and then, like, I think what really resonated was in the end, he said, you know, if you ask any of my guys, and he said, quote, they would say, like, he never asked me to do something he didn't fucking do, you know. And he goes, people say that I'm not a nice guy, I'm a tyrant, but that's you, he goes, that's because true. you never want anything. We one jack I was like, damn. Hey, Michael, you're so right. So when, when this was coming <laughs> so, out, before it came out, you know, like, it was a quote from MJ that you're not going to like. Or this makes me kind of look like a bad person. Have you felt that way so far? But I like him more than ever. I don't think I have. Yeah, not yet. I don't think I. I don't think so. Unless he like does something terrible. Like punching Steve Kerr in the face. Oh wait, he did that. Um, It's fine. (laughs) Like Michael, (laughs) you just punched that baby. I don't know what he can do to like make you not like you. Like so far, yeah, I get it. Like it, it's we like. There's explanations behind his behavior that makes more. Like, it's it's understandable from where he was and what he was trying to get at. So with episode that was the end of episode seven. You know, he talks about all that and why he did what he did, and then episode eight kind of starts off in the round two of the 1998. Um, playoffs with Bulls versus Charlotte and BJ Armstrong's on, moment, on Charlotte BJ. now and yeah so I think it's his second game I think uh, where he just goes off and then he hits a game winning shot and he goes I looked at Phil I looked at Michael I looked at Pip like if there's one thing like I don't that people like you know, right now we've done this with Clyde Drexler. We've done this with um, Charles Barkley and the Suns with Charles winning MVP, you know. Like, Michael doesn't need more ammo. And then there's – and you can tell yeah. Glenn Rice was the forward at the time, and he's just, like, all sad. He, he seems so sad about them winning that game. You're like, That's my favorite part coming. of, like, the teammates. <laughs> like, you know, when somebody would say shit to Mike and, like, it was a teammate. Like, man, why'd you do that? Like Magic said it too back in the Dream Team episode where they were down in the pickup game and he talked shit to MJ and you know MJ came out and he was like, Man, what did I go say that for? It's like you hit it right on the like the top of the head of it, you know, like why give the guy motivation? And then he's talking about that. He goes, What he knows better than that. He goes, I'm supposed to kill him. I'm supposed to kill this guy now. And he goes, I'm supposed to dominate him. And he goes, from that point on, I did. And BJ he goes, did. he came he after me. For the next few <laughs> games. BJ had like two points. <laughs> and so they're talking about that. And then they go to David Aldridge, I think. And he goes, have you heard about LeBradford Smith? And I was like, David Aldridge, 
I don't hear a lot of things you say. I usually skip you. 2K reference. TV when I play 2K. Um, so David Aldridge starts telling us the story about the Bradford Smith. So back in 1993, Washington Bullets. This is how bad Michael beat the Bradford Smith. The Washington Bullets don't fucking exist anymore. They did, and then no, Michael the Jordan happened, and now they don't. So I guess they had this game with the Washington name, Bullets. LeBradford Smith was their rookie. He was their draft pick, and LeBradford Smith had himself a game. You know, he just went off, and for some reason, Mike had a terrible game. And LeBradford Smith had 37 points. And B. Armstrong says, after that shit's over. Game, Mike, or something. Um, yeah, he says he Mike tells everybody that LeBradford Smith put his arms around him and said, "Nice game, Mike." And we we're like, "Oh shit." And then I guess he told BJ Armstrong tomorrow in the first half, "I'm going to have what this kid had in the whole game." So, what does he do? He scores 36 points in the first half. And like I said, like just goes after LeBradford Smith. And then I guess decades later, they go back and they ask uh, some reporters find out that it wasn't true, that nice game, Mike. And then they ask Michael. It's a, goes, yeah, it's a crazy person. So when he didn't have real, <laughs> yeah, when he didn't have real motivation. Like LeBron was like walking off like, and might have just looked the, at him. And then like MJ just imagined that in his head. and was like, oh, fuck this. So after that point, they kind of talk, they, uh, they kind of go back to that 94, 95 season. So this is when the strike happens that we talked about earlier and he's coming back. This is a year after, um, they've lost to the Knicks with the Pippen incident. And then when he came back at that time, that's another thing. A lot of people talk about, you know, Pippen, you know, Pippen had his chance and that's what, you know, Pippen ultimately, you know, besides the quitting or whatever you want to say with that. You're the one saying it. You know, they lost that year. Yeah, next year they were worse. They were barely over 500. And then this year, they were were barely above. Yeah, they were 34 and 31 when Michael came back, you know. And Horace Grant was no longer on the team. He was playing for the Magic. You know, he also played for our Lakers. Jerry Krause. Yeah. Um, Jerry Cross. I think it was the owner. Him it was the owner. Whatever. I think supposedly, Ryan, the supposedly, what, what yeah, had happened is the owner and Horace had a deal in place, and then they did that without Horace's agent. And then Horace's agent found out and was like, "What is this?" Yada yada yada. And then it fell through. And then he went to the Magic. Mm. So he came back, and this is Michael comes back this season. And he wore his 45, and I think it was his first game against the Pacers, and he's kind of off to a rough start. Um, he loses to the Pacers, and then his fifth game back at the Garden, he scores 55 points against the Knicks. <laughs> they show Patrick Ewing, and he goes, man, I had a good game that night, too. Man, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I like Patrick Ewing so much. No, Michael it, it's Jordan's true. Tenure, Patrick Ewing was, was like... on Dan Patrick's show, and he's like, Dan, you know, like, to all of you guys, this is good. You know, like, a good, like, look back. He like, But for a lot of us that played against them, it's not, like, the funniest thing to watch. 
you know, because it's just them reliving all of that all over again. Because if you think about it, um, fucking Barkley, Drexler, um, Gary Payton, like Reggie Miller, um, Ewing, yeah, Patrick Ewing. Patrick all Ewing. of these guys could have been champions, but MJ's like, but they just happened to play in the same decade, same generation with Michael Jordan. So he drops fifty five after the AF. Just that, that cracked me up when Patrick was just talking about like he goes, I, I had a nobody nice remembers game. that. <laughs> nobody, nobody cares about the Patrick. <laughs> Where's my document? I think. I think yeah, they the did frozen do, envelope one. on the Knicks. Um, yeah, I saw that. So then. Um, I think to the playoffs. They kind of fast forward in that season yeah. later on. So he's playing the playoffs. They're they're Baby playing the Shaq, Magic, man. and I think it's yeah, it's the second game or so. I Nick think Anderson. Um, he gets the ball stolen. Yeah, from him, and they're like nobody takes the rock it's like from God Gordon. Can bleed, you know? and then I think there was somebody else. Yeah, they're like, it's kind of like watching Ali and towards the later part of his career, and you're like, you can punch this guy? Imagine like, that. Like, that's Ali like was they're that saying that's how it was. <laughs> so, like, later part of his career, like, oh, shit, we could actually hit him now? <laughs> right? Yes, he's a boxer. Like, what were you guys doing the whole fucking time? <laughs> they're, like, running. Yeah, no, but you don't, you don't see that type of lapse in judgment um, from MJ where – he just lost track of the guy behind him, and Anderson makes a sick steal, and they they end up stealing the game. And what happened after the steal is the clock's winding down, and MJ, instead of going for the shot, tries to pass to Scotty, but Scotty was already cutting in, and it went behind him, and they turned it over. And at that point, his trainer says like he was probably eighty percent of the himself. guy. The guy yeah, like was who playing he was. baseball. And then had a couple practices with his team. And next thing you know, he's in the NBA. Like, that's pretty crazy. But then, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to touch on this, uh, touch on this in the documentary. But when he came back, you know, why he came back, it's because the league expanded. They added new teams. I think they added like Vancouver and another team. And they had an expansion draft so it was diluted and he believed that he could just come back and steal a title that year and ultimately didn't happen yep and it didn't happen so magic won and he takes no time off that offseason he calls his trainer and goes right into it changing his body back he goes you know i'd spend 15 months changing myself into a baseball player so then he's got to make this transportation just that just shows you this man had not like an ounce of quit in his body. And it's also the same, happens to be the same off season shooting Space Jam. Yeah. With Bugs Bunny and shit, you know? Like, I don't think Bugs is actually there on So set, he's busy there. I think they might have added him in post. Yeah, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> don't, hey, I'll believe what I, I'll, I'll believe what I want to believe. <laughs> so, you know, he's busy with Bugs Bunny. <laughs> during that off season, so he has Warner Brothers build him what's known as the Jordan Dome, and it's like a workout facility. And then he has the basketball 
court set up and stuff. And so he has all these guys. You see, it's crazy in this video, man. That's amazing. Like, that's crazy to see that they were that while, especially watching Space Jam. Now you think about it while they were shooting this, like you had Reggie Miller. And I think um, it's like all the big Patrick young guys. They, they're like listed off all, all of the big. Yeah. Yeah. They were all there and he's watching them play. And he's BJ Armstrong said he's scouting them. At this time, you know, he's telling his players to scout who's coming out there, and and then the players said that doing, like, hey, if like, MJ calls you to come out and play, like you're gonna go. And Simmons was talking about this on his podcast, and he said that that is probably what started because now you know in the off season you see those like Instagram videos of like Harden and all these guys playing pickup games. The Jordan Dome is what started that. That was like the first iteration of NBA players meeting up in like LA and just having these, just coordinating these pickup games and then just going at it like that. So yeah, he he does that, and then that off season, when they're you know that off season, like he's still preparing and everything, and that's when you you talked about a little bit um, when he's actually preparing with his team. That's when he got into it with Kerr and punched Steve Kerr in the face. And then, Steve started it. You know, Steve's like, I stood up to him and he respected me. Yeah, MJ was talking shit, and Steve's like, "Bro, like, I'm not gonna take your shit." Steve punched him in the chest. MJ popped him in the eye, and then you know, MJ talks about it after. He's like, "Phil kicked me out of practice." He's like, "I'm in the showers by myself, and I feel tiny." He's like, "Man, I just beat up the smallest guy on the team." I mean, like, imagine Steve watching that now. It's like, come on, smallest guy on the team. Hey, come on! I he takes a mad punch, man. But and then, yeah, and then afterwards, you know. So that season, they go on, and who do you see in the playoffs? Magic. And then Horace Grant, like when he's talking about it, he goes, "We knew he was gonna come, <laughs> like they were gonna come for us, and that's what he did. They went ahead and they beat the Magic, and then it's Gary Payton and the Sonics." And then at this point, you would think, like, I rattled off a list. Like, Clyde Drexler, LeBradford Smith, B.J. Armstrong, Horace Grant, Charles Barkley. Um, Anything that crossed like Thomas. Like, and, like, stop fucking giving. Like, all of these people. Okay, besides LeBradford Smith, he got done. Like, all these other people. Like, you'd think people would stop giving MJ reasons. And George then, Carl? Nope. There's George Carl at a restaurant. Big time. Oh, they're going to playing the freaking, they're playing the Bulls. And just big time them walk right away. by MJ. He goes, all right. Which is that like really that big of a slight? Like for Dar- for Michael, I think he needed, he made something yeah, up for LeBradford Smith. So how did you get, and then, I like how Gary Payton at one point was like, well, then at the, like, the yeah, third game. Yeah, because they got down, the, like, 3-0, I think. I think because uh, um, George Carl was telling Gary yeah. Payton that, I want you to stay fresh on the offensive end because I need you to score. So, I don't want you guarding MJ. And he said that when they got down, like, the two or three games, I forget what, what it was. And he's like, at that point, I was like, fuck this, George. I'm going to guard him. And, you know, they, they, they did kind of take the momentum away for a little while. I like how Michael Jordan. Your belly laughing. They show 
they show MJ Gary Payton saying like, you know, when I started guarding him, I was just like beating on him, getting him tired. And, you know, when you go back and look at the numbers, MJ didn't do that good in that series. Like his numbers, you know, when, especially when Gary Payton was guarding, it wasn't that much. But, you know, MJ's just not going to give anybody credit. And he was just like, you know, I, I, I didn't have any problems with the glove, you know. And he just talked about like all the stuff that was actually going on with him mentally. And basically that was his first uh, Father's Day weekend was coming. And, you know, this was his first finals without his dad. And you know what? Somebody I saw tweeted it out, and it's so crazy because he won. uh, They won the finals. It's like a fucking movie. On Father's Day. And somebody says, bro, it was like the finals. It was like the first Father's Day. He goes, even God couldn't have beat Michael Michael Jackson. (laughs) Even God couldn't have beat Michael Jordan that day. Like, somebody tweeted that. It was just like, and then I think if they ended this documentary at that, him winning that fourth title on Father's Day, him just crying for it, like, that was, that raw, like, that's the most raw emotion I've seen in these whole eight episodes. Um, I think twice. Like, that episode, that right there, and then he did get pretty emotional when... Seven I was about the, at the end of episode seven when he's trying to explain why he was like how he was with his teammates and shit, you know. Um, but yeah, that when he's just on the ground pounding it and crying and like, you know, that's for his dad. And if this is where the documentary ended, I would still say like, damn, like it was a great documentary. But no, we get two more. What's well, coming next? Um. And the two more is you see Reggie Miller talking that shit. It's like Dude, Reggie, Reggie's bro, still I rattled like, off too many Reggie names. Still doesn't You're like gonna him. get he added to the list. Him. He's like, he's like, I, I don't know if I would hug him or yeah. punch him. Like if I met him now. <laughs> and he's like, I believe my team was better. You know, no, but that, that's that's like, the way yeah. all these guys kind of so we're gonna... it. like. Barkley believes that. Gary Payton believes that. Like, oh, you know, if we had just done this different or that different, we we could have taken it. And it's just like, no, man, it's Jordan. No, this man was just something else. And I think this is going to be um, – yeah. it's going to be fun. Reg, Reg versus Michael. Yeah, man, definitely looking forward to it. And you know, we'll be we'll 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 definitely make a show next week to put a nice big bow on this wonderful series. And remember, we weren't even supposed to get this yet. They they brought this up because of everything that was happening right now. And you know, I am I'm thankful for that, man. Like you know, it's every Sunday gives it's given us something to look forward to. And what I like doing after watching it is like you know picking up the phone and calling you and discussing this and being able to make these podcast with you you know talking about these and you know we'll, we'll we'll find other stuff you know soon life will be back to normal and you know we'll kind of go from there but this has definitely been a great little gift um here at this moment and uh, do you have any closing thoughts on this episode nope can't wait to uh talk to you guys about the next next episode we Damn. it's been a good ride man it's it, it's, it's been a good ride yep. um, like, thank we'll you for listening 
you know, we definitely ran long on this one, but, you know, hopefully this made up for not making an episode last week. Uh, thank you for listening. You know, we really appreciate any listens that we get. I saw on our stats that we have a couple of listeners in Argentina. Argentina. Thank you. You know, <laughs> thank you for listening. And if you guys like what you hear, please uh, share it uh, with your friends. Tell somebody about it. You know, that kind of helps us grow the podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on anywhere that you find podcasts. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. We would definitely appreciate that. Shout Anchor. out there. And uh, thank Anchor. you for listening. Until next week.